Elections. You're not born into this world, fumbling for meaning, Jerry! We are created to serve a singular purpose for which we will go to any lengths to fulfill! Existence is pain to a Election. Jerry, and we will do anything to alleviate that pain. Just ask, what's your name, ma'am? America. The following is brought to you by Dustin Campbell, Frank Latuka, Olin and Angela, Michael Bolick, The Joe Q Car Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, Jim Wright, Will Harris, and Craig. So I can wear my Kanye merch ironically now? Right? Right? Because I'm wearing my Vogue Kanye hat. And I don't care. I don't care who knows it. Welcome everybody to what would have been the day after election day. We might know who the president is. Or the president-elect, rather. We're going to go through all of that. The state of play right now, as I speak to you at 9.30 in the morning on the West Coast, we will dig into something that we do know a little bit more about, and that is the results in the Senate. And we will talk about something that I am particularly focused on, and and that is uh, my home state. Of Florida, something that I never thought I would see happen last night, and I want to dig into it just a wee little bit. All that, and hopefully, we run into our friend Andrew Heaton. Uh, he and I went seven hours last night uh, uh, doing our live stream. Thank you to everybody who joined us. But first, the race for president remains much too close to call with a number of key states still counting votes. That includes Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Georgia, which last night a lot of people thought was out of play. It's not this morning. And at this stage in the race, according to AP Counts, President Trump has 213 electoral college votes, Joe Biden 238. I awoke yesterday truly believing that this might be an early night, <laughs> just like four years ago. I started to think that I was probably like what a lot of people kept emailing me about. Overstating the opposition's case. Uh, that there was a clear favorite in this particular race. It was the Democrat. And like four years ago, things began to erode. And they began to erode dramatically. We're going to get into Florida in a second. But the reason why you run Joe Biden is so you are winning Obama to Trump voters. He's the guy you can throw him back at the union bar and then also be the life of the party at your gay cousin's wedding. You know, he's doing the electric slide. Everyone's having a good time. 
But when you talk about Obama to Trump voters, then you're talking about places like Florida. We lost that. Georgia. Too close to call, but Biden still has to dig himself out of a hole. North Carolina. Ditto. Ohio. Dead loss for Biden. Pennsylvania. A very big hole, but he still might have gas in the tank. All of these states could very well, by the end of today, be lost to the Democratic Party. And yet, Biden may well, as I speak, be the unnamed president-elect. And that is because he was able to hold one final firewall. And that is Michigan and Wisconsin. Couple that with the called Arizona, and you're really only one bad beat in Clark County, Nevada away from winning. Now, I am sure that over the next few weeks and months, I am probably going to talk more and more and more and more about this campaign, what each campaign did right, what each campaign did wrong. We're going to need more data to for, for me to get really chesty about it. The only thing I'll really get Jesse about is, I I told you it was going to be close, right? I told you it was going to be close. Everybody, LBJ landslide, Reagan landslide. Oh, it's going to be a uh, 10-point popular vote. I'm just saying, I I told you it was going to be close. If you listen to me and and you were telling everybody who was jumping up and down saying this was going to be a blah that it's going to be close and i know it because jerry told me then then you're then you're doing okay today P- people are coming up to you and they're saying you want to know what you were right all the nates told me it was going to be a blowout pod save a blanket told me it was going to be a blowout bakari sellers told me it was going to be a blowout you You told me it was going to be close. So there we go. That is my one act of I believe I had that. I knew this was going to be close, and it still is. In fact, let's talk about exactly how close it is. Again, I am talking to you before the 10 a.m. hour on the West Coast. That means we are at 1 p.m. on the East Coast. Let's start from the South and work our way up. Georgia. Right now, Trump has a 1.8 margin of victory with 93% of those votes counted. North Carolina, come on and raise up. 1.4% lead for Trump with 95% reporting. Pennsylvania. Now, this one is curious. Pennsylvania, Trump still plus eight. He barely won Pennsylvania by a percentage point in 2016. You would imagine that that is padding that will be spent as more and more votes are counted throughout Philadelphia. But that is 80% reported. Again, Trump still plus eight. I don't really believe that number. It is certainly closer to even than eight. But eight's a lot of votes that you have to work through if you're Joe Biden. Michigan. Now, this this is one of the two that flipped last night. 
I woke up yesterday thinking Biden was going to win. I went to sleep last night thinking Trump was going to win because he was up in Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, But here we go. Michigan right now, Biden is up less than a percentage point in Michigan. 94% reported there. Wisconsin, it is all over but the crying I I suspect that we are going to get uh we are we are going to get more here in terms of a recount but it'll probably that process will begin with Biden plus 0.6 that's 98% reporting right now Trump campaign manager Bill Stepien saying that he is well within the threshold to uh, request a recount in Wisconsin, and he will immediately seek to do so. Meanwhile, Scott Walker, somebody who knows Wisconsin politics about as well as anybody, doesn't seem particularly optimistic that Donald Trump will be able to find 20,000 votes, which is what he's going to need on a recount, uh, pointing out that in the past, hundreds of votes have been found, although, for what it's worth, they're usually Republican votes. The muffled sound you might hear is the vigorous clanging and banging of a man in a CrossFit box nestled amongst America's Dairyland. Indeed, it is Paul Ryan pumping iron, laughing as hard as he can, fully tumescent. The proverbial tipping point state, however, was not Florida, nor Ohio, nor Pennsylvania, possibly not even Michigan or Wisconsin. Indeed, the state that might have moved the needle is Arizona. The New York Times hasn't called it, but Fox News called it early last night. They, uh, the the, the Times rather, has Biden plus three, 86% of that vote recorded if for whatever reason the fairly chesty Fox News decision desk is wrong then we rip open that band-aid and fresh hell pours out let's look at one of the weirdest states though and that is Nevada Biden less than a point uh, up at this point with 86% Uh, reported that is rapidly changing from uh, the 2012 and 2016 margins. Uh, Obama won in 2012 by 6.7. Clinton won by two and a half. If Nevada's close, it's going to be an issue. And here's why. Hear them. Know them. Follow them on Twitter, probably, because some of these guys are going to become famous. As they buckle up their Brooks Brothers pants, came ready in a Gavinci pantsuit and festooned themselves with their Ferragamos. The lawyers are descending. Look, look up in the sky, watch as they slowly drift like very highly paid snowflakes 
into the battleground, this is gonna get legal and it's gonna get legal quick. Nevada, Michigan, Pennsylvania. These are the states that have already had questions about exactly how they were storing and handling votes. This isn't just going to be about votes that came in, mail-in ballots, stuff like that. Those are easier to discount and the lawyers will ask for each and every one of them that are legally allowed to be discounted to be discounted. But this is going to be a fight and it's going to be a slog. I, I, I don't suspect that we're going to see the news media call this election the way that it normally does. I do suspect that this is going to end more like Florida. In fact, it's worse than Florida. Florida was three counties. This might be three states. This isn't just 2,000. It's 2,000 times 2,000. Get Mitch or die trying were the words of those that would like to unseat the Republican majority in the Senate, one that has produced historic opposition to a Democratic president and a direct pipeline to a uh, very refreshed and youthful federal judiciary, both throughout the country and on the Supreme Court. Mitch McConnell, of course, Cocaine Mitch, is the head of this clique. And it looks like he's gonna be the head for a little bit. McConnell in a romp. He scores over a million votes in the state of Kentucky for a 58 to 37 percent win over Amy McGrath, who raised over a hundred million dollars. The amount of money that went to the idea that Mitch McConnell could lose in Kentucky is shocking. Shocking. We have more bad news for the Democrats, but let's get to the good news first. Number one, indeed, there is a reason why you put two L's in McSally. Not only does she lose to Kirsten Cinema in 2018, she last night lost to Mark Kelly by seven points. She now is single-handedly responsible why, <laughs> for why the state of John McCain and Barry Goldwater has two solid blue representatives. And meanwhile, the trick shot and slave shipping John Hickenlooper has indeed defeated Cory Gardner in Colorado. He goes from the state house to the Senate. And that's pretty much where the good news ends. Of course, there were the expected losses. Doug Jones, uh, he only won a special election because Roy Moore was a very weird pedophile who rode a horse named Sassy. He's now out. Tommy Tuberville in Alabama wins that seat by 21 points, 
even in college football, that's running up the score. War damn eagle. Danes wins in Montana plus eight. But here's a seat that not but two weeks ago looked like it could flip, and that was in Iowa. Joni Ernst defends her position, and that's not particularly close. She wins plus seven. How about one that, for real, people thought was going to flip? If you thought Joni Ernst winning plus seven in Iowa was a big deal, I got news for you, lady. G's up. Harrison down. Lindsey Graham plus 14 in South Carolina. Ooh. Here was another uh, uh, seat that was going to flip, and we do have late-breaking news on this. Susan Collins of Maine has received a gracious concession call from her opponent. She barely stayed over the 50% threshold to not necessitate a runoff. Races that are close but look done. Tom Tillis has declared victory in North Carolina. Of course, his opponent got caught up in a military wife sexting scandal. And at least as of now, David Perdue, the Republican, will defend his seat against Wunderkind John Ossoff. He became a minor celebrity when he tried to flip a house seat unsuccessfully. He has now tried to flip a Senate seat, it seems, unsuccessfully, although this one is not in the books yet. Georgia has uh, rules where if you're under 50%, it's got to go to a runoff. We'll see if that happens. It did happen with Georgia's other Senate seat where uh, Kelly Loeffler was unable to uh, defend it successfully. She will now go into a head-to-head runoff against Raphael Warnock. That will happen a little bit later. So at least one seat still possibly in play. But, guys, if you were expecting the Senate to flip, that ain't going to happen. We know that for sure. There's not really a whole lot that uh, could, could change that at this point. Uh, Some big, big, big money that went into this, including MJ Hager in Texas. She lost by 10. Bill Hagerty out in Tennessee defended his spot. In fact, his opponent, Marquita Bradshaw, earned over a million votes, despite the fact that she lost by 800,000. You know, over in Kentucky... Mitch McConnell beat Amy McGrath by a similar margin. And the only difference was Amy McGrath burned $100 million to do it, and Bradshaw burned five cents in a ham sandwich. Oh, my God. Sometimes this small donor donation stuff, uh, it is wacky pants. There is one fully uncalled race, and that is in Michigan, where Gary Peters, the incumbent, is in a neck-and-neck race with John James. They are both... Oh, Jesus. As I speak to you right now, they are literally separated by about a 1,000 votes. Statistically a dead heat, 92% of estimated votes reported. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
story we're going to spend a lot more time talking about in the coming weeks is where the demographics of either party are. And that is a deeper conversation, but I want to focus specifically on a state that I know the best because it's the state that I've spent studying the longest. I am indeed a Florida man, and so I am a man of Florida. When we were on our live stream last night, despite the fact that a lot of the decision desks slow played calling the Sunshine State, I put it on our map three hours before anybody because I saw one number. And it, to me, was damning. Joe Biden over Donald Trump in Miami-Dade County by nine points. What have I told you guys over and 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 over again? If you're going to win statewide as a Democrat in Florida, you feast, you fatten up in the southeast of the state. Miami, Broward, Palm Beach. It's where the most people that are Democratic-leaning live. Yes, you can battle through I-4. You can battle through Tampa. You can battle through Orlando. You can battle through Daytona. You can battle through Duval. You you can pick up a few in Gainesville and a few in Tallahassee because of all the kids. But by and large, you are dealing with very red areas Other than that, they're toss-ups along I-4. They're rough and tumble in between. You got to get fat in the Southeast. Just to give you context, in 2016, in Miami, Hillary Clinton beat Donald Trump by 30 points, notching over 624,000 votes and lost the state by a point and a half. Like, that's the level that you've got to get to to make it competitive in in the rest of the state. Miami, she got 624. Broward, she got 553. Palm Beach, she got 374. Again, that's, that's almost half of her total vote total throughout the rest of the state. Like, she is... She's fattening up. You got to get big there. Let's go back to 2012. Uh, Barack Obama beat Mitt Romney, getting over a half million votes, 61% to 37%. 2008, 57% to 41%. So not quite the same shellacking, not quite 30 points, but still notching around a half million votes. Nine points, nine points from Joe Biden is horrifying, horrifying. And look, there's a lot that has already and will be said about the Latino vote and how different Cubans are versus Mexicans and whether or not the exile community in Cuba was uniquely turned off by the idea that the Democratic Party is becoming a more socialist enterprise. But but I got news for you. 
head up north, head up 95, head up the turnpike, go to Broward County where I'm from. This is Fort Lauderdale. This is Sunrise. This is uh, the Everglades, right? This is where the Florida Panthers are. This is a whiter area. In fact, a lot of the uh, a lot of Broward County is kind of ranch homes, right? Out in Cooper City, I'm getting very local here. With very very heavy votes coming in, a lot of votes came in. Joe Biden won 64 percent of them. Hillary Clinton won 66. Uh, Barack Obama won 67 in 2012 and 67 in 2008. Al Gore won 67%. You have to go back to John Kerry for there to be as soft a performance in Broward as Joe Biden delivered. But let's go even further north. Let's go to Palm Beach. This is fairly affluent areas, okay? This is where Mar-a-Lago is, but it's also very, very, very reliably Democratic. Let's start from 2000 and come forward. 62% for Al Gore. 60% for John Kerry. 61% for Barack Obama. 58% for Barack Obama in 2012. Hillary Clinton did 56 And Joe Biden shows a consistent trail from that peak at 55%. It's not about winning these counties. It's about blowing them out. That's how Democrats win statewide. I actually have to concur with... Mark Caputo, who covers Florida for Politico. I think that Florida is a battleground state. I don't know if it's a swing state. I think that whatever the Democrats are selling right now and have sold since Obama is not electrifying the Democrats that they used to electrify. You can see steady declines in all the counties that they need to light on fire. And there really hasn't been any others that have either had the population density or the enthusiasm to take them over. The sexy stuff to talk about is going to be, again, Castro and the Cubans and, 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 and all that. And look, that's part of the fabric of Florida. But if Lil Pump is up there, Lil Pump is from... Broward. He's part of that SoundCloud rap scene that that emerged through Miami and 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 Fort Lauderdale, the, the suburbs of Fort Lauderdale. He had this song. Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. Spread their rats on new chains. Then he did this song. Everybody wanna be like me. Everybody wanna be like me. Everybody wanna be like me. And that was with Lil Wayne. Who also endorsed Trump. Both those guys endorsed Trump on stage in the last month of an election that just happened. What is this world? Also, Lil Pump did this song. You're such a fake boy. I love it. 
such a funny one. When the first time they asked you, you want some. And that was with Kanye, who went to the White House, supported Donald Trump, wore the red hat, and then ran for president himself. All right. Sorry, sorry for the digression, but Lil Pump's from Broward. At least that scene is from Broward. There is a disconnection between the modern Democratic Party and Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami-Dade. And if that's the case, then Florida's not a swing state anymore. And it will break my heart if that's the case. Because I so love being able to taunt people about Florida being a swing state. We will do more of this going forward. But if that is the case, and Florida isn't a swing state, it might, re- might be replaced by something else. Indeed, Democrats were not able to flip it, but in the next four years, you're going to see a lot more blue attention on the place where the stars at night are big and bright. Oh, you didn't think he forgot, did you? You didn't think he forgot, did you? Yeah, the campaign undertaker's waiting. He's watching. He's ready to find out which of these two candidates will meet their maker. And it might happen tomorrow. Might happen Friday. Might happen next Monday. If you want all of the as-it-happens news, there's only one thing you got to do, and that's get on our $3 club. Head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. We will have a podcast for you tomorrow. Obviously, the main feed will go live again on Friday, but we will be live with you on Monday. Catch the last of our exclusive Andrew Heaton content as he will eventually roll away with his scamp. Guys, we're almost at the end. I don't know how much longer this is going to go, but uh, you know who knows? Trump could concede tomorrow. I doubt it. I think we're going to get recounts. It's going to be a little bit. Now would be a good time. If you haven't gotten on, get on. TakePoliticsSeriously.com Hello and welcome, everybody, to a uh, undisclosed location where the impromptu uh, politics, politics, politics orphanage retreat is taking place. Uh, even as this election hangs in the balance, uh, we have decided to spirit away to a team-building retreat uh, after our marathon stream last night. Andrew Heaton is my guest. How, how you Hello, doing? Hello. Good to be back. Uh, can I can I divulge that I am looking at ships and I'm topless? Yes, yes. you can. I, yeah, uh, yeah. I, we're out in the sun, and I figured, you know, why not soak up some vitamin D? I'm basically mayonnaise. You know that Heaton has gone through some <laughs> when he is willfully exposing himself to the yeah. sun, which... I would categorize in general as your natural enemy. I very much so. Yes, I am aware that we need the sun for survival, but it is it is uh, <laughs> nonetheless uh, something that I don't generally like. This is like when the alien and predator team up 
to like you know uh, kill somebody that really deserves it. Yeah, uh, and and it, well, it could be you know is it is it that we're at a really nice place? Maybe we're at a marina, or alternately. Is it that I have equipped the scamp with flotation devices so that I can flee the country if I need to? Your listeners don't know. You've taken to the waves. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Uh, All right. So uh, the the, the latest that I I can say, uh, if you have listened to this, then uh, the podcast up till now, uh, uh, the latest news is that CNN now has called Michigan. That effectively leaves... Nevada as the only thing that would need to be called for a major news outlet to declare that Joe Biden has won the election. Now, this so, is, so they called it for uh, for Biden. They for Biden, Michigan for, okay. Michigan for Biden. Uh, that means that he would not need Georgia and he would not need Pennsylvania. Those are still up in the air. Okay. Uh, Arizona. I mean, there still are Arizona truthers that are that 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 believe that Trump could still win there, and uh, there are legal machinations in uh, in progress which, which for I, Michigan I, I think and is Wisconsin. A way bigger concern than the actual outright uh, outright victories, but uh, but it sounds like if there are no legal shenanigans, that Trump needs to carry all of the Midwestern swing states. Correct? He needs to have uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. So if he loses any of those, he's out. Well, now that the scenarios that are kind of uh, most popular now are the ones where Biden doesn't need Pennsylvania mm-hmm. uh, because he got Arizona. He's going to get Nevada right. or Nevada. Sorry. And uh, uh, Michigan and Wisconsin together equal Got it. Okay. him, him uh, winning even without Pennsylvania. So he could actually wind up having by the end of all this, a fairly gaudy electoral college number. Right. Despite the fact that uh, we seem to have now, uh, uh, you know, Serpentined our way through at least uh, the assumption of who was going to win over the last twenty-four hours. Yeah, this hours. this was there was there was a lot of thought within Democratic circles that this would be a champagne election night, and that was definitely a Pepto Bismol election night. Yes, uh, there there the, the the champagne will be tepid by the time it is drunk if Biden prevails. Uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, so your your concepts of your your big top line concepts of of election night and uh uh just how we how we got to this point mm-hmm. like like what is you're always very very good at the 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 10,000 foot uh, uh view on this yeah it's it's like i can't even tie my shoes but yeah. i can i can definitely see the crag and the rocks you know yeah. 3 miles away uh, i mean the the first thing is i think we should I, I never plan to listen to pollsters again when it comes to presidential elections. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, they might be good in, in, in limited races and things like that. But I'm kind of I, I, I think both pollsters and honestly, most political consultants, I think, are, are uh, what's a polite word for charlatans? Hacks. Hacks. Yes, I think they're hacks. I don't I don't I don't place much trust in them, uh, although tons of money to be made as a political consultant. If you can still for some reason swing that, despite the fact they so frequently are wrong. Uh, that's takeaway number one. Um, uh, takeaway number two. I, I will I will add my voice to the chorus of people that are disgusted that Donald Trump would invoke voter fraud baselessly just because it would be convenient for him to have the election called at midnight rather than having it go out. Uh, there's not there's 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 no reason this election compared to any other election that you would be worried about voter fraud happening. And, and the, the examples that he cited in the speech last night of like bags materializing at 4 a.m. Right. Yeah. Mail in votes are still coming in. Votes are still going to be counted. And, and the idea that. Uh, that that 
the counting should stop at midnight is is just not how it works. It's never how it worked. Uh, it, it like the the only the only actual mandate that the states have to hit is certification of votes for the electoral college. Uh, so it's not like there's it, it, it's not like I assume in football it, yeah. it, when the clock's over you're done. Yeah. Okay, it's not like that. That's not how it works. And he, he's wishing it was and was willing to in, in like basically delegitimize the election in order to buy himself some time, now, which I, I find horrible. Here's here's my only thing about this in terms of how the media framed it or the, the a lot of the talking yeah, points. Well, and actually, I'll, I'll take a swing at the, the media. I do think the media overstepped when they said that Trump declared victory. I thought Trump was going to declare victory and, and like make like a psychic anchor. I don't think he really did. I watched the speech last night, and while he did, uh, you know, delegitimize the election, <clears throat> he did not uh, say, you know, we're declaring victory. We've won. He said, uh, Frankly, I, I think we I believe we yeah, won, which is, which is like a, it, it's a gruffer thing, a version of what Biden had said yeah. earlier. We're, we're, we're doing great. We're, yeah, they, they both said we're doing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that the media overstepped it. I do think that the media critiques of of uh, of, of Trump for calling the legitimacy of the, the election into question are very germane. Well, here was my issue is that like there was a lot of like this is normal talk about the counting and they were pointing to things like the certification deadlines a month later weeks later these are all things that definitely happen but it is a miscategorization compared to what we normally experience every four years and we should have not said this is normal it's normal that the that these things don't get settled until weeks afterward what they should have said was this is a Surprise, 2020 is a weird year. We're going to get a lot of mail-in votes. A lot of states that aren't used to handling mail-in votes are going to get them. And and really, to me, a lot of, if, if a fraction of the time that we spent wondering whether or not Donald Trump was going to declare victory was instead spent on explaining and understanding the the places in which these states were going to probably fall short in terms of the time frame compared to what we expect, I think we probably would have had a better understanding of it. And if uh, you know Trump saying, "Oh, well, bags are showing up and and my lead is evaporating," that would have looked more ridiculous on its face as opposed to the the kind of constant swinging back and forth of like, "Well, I don't know. Will Trump say the thing? Well, he said the thing." Which who knows if this is the final version of that TikTok. Uh, you know, like every year, a little bit more of Edmund Burke's ghost creeps into my soul. And Edmund Burke's ghost is telling me that journalistic negligence does not obviate the president delegitimizing the election. I'm so. not, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I, I guess here's my thing. I have for five years now looked at Donald Trump as this free radical for which I cannot control. Yes. And no amount of, of me shaking my fist nor making a sourpuss stern face, uh, uh, you know, or, or Jake Tapper's exasperation as his pocket square trembles yeah. uh, with his rage will make him any different than he is. So he's going to say what he's going to say. And yes, would I prefer that the president not get up and say, uh, 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 we need to stop and also continue counting in states where I think my lead is going to increase and stop yes. counting in, in other in states. In Arizona, continue counting. Yeah. Quit counting in, in uh, the swings. Yes, I would I would prefer that. Do I have any expectation that either A, that is going to change anything, or B, that's going to educate people any better? No, I don't. Like, I, and, and I think that if, if, if the role of our role as media, fringe media figures, we're, we're really like, 
we're on we're on the outskirts. We're we're, yeah, we're selling, we're selling. Like radio free America kind of thing. Yeah, look, the, the Super Bowl is happening inside, and it's it's uh, Anderson Cooper and we're, Brett we're, Bear. We're doing the Puppy Bowl. That's yeah, what we're doing. That's yeah, uh, charitably, we're doing the Puppy <laughs> Bowl. I would think of us as we're selling boiled peanuts <laughs> at, at the uh, at the subway station outside, but uh, we are a part of it. And I think the best the best thing that we can do is just continue to kind of educate people to to what is happening, so things don't True. seem chaotic. That, that, and, that is, and, that and is our part. And it also highlights. Yeah. The fact that that you know, a what what Trump is saying uh, is a a you know a, a chaotic. I, I don't even think even Trump supporters would say he is chaotic good, right? If yes. not chaotic, I, I, don't, I don't think evil. anybody claims he's anything other than chaotic for right? sure. Well, uh, and 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 the Biden campaign, no matter how calm he says it, there are motives for literally everything sure. that he says, and and that's that's kind of our our only goal. Well, I, one of the other things I do find interesting, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to going through the data, uh, is uh, the fact that Trump is poll, uh, that polled better this election with blacks and Hispanics than he did in 2016. Yeah. I, I am surprised and baffled by, and it's it's kind of a weird thing in that between Biden and Trump, I prefer Biden. I'm, I'm not wild about either, but I clearly prefer Biden over Trump. That said, I do um, really dislike kind of the... Uh, histrionic wokeness that that is happening a lot of the time in the progressive movement, and uh, uh, I, I really don't like the idea that uh, people's politics are defined by the melanin in their skin and should be treated that way. And that you were like, oh, you're black, therefore you are part of a monolithic voting block now and forever. I don't like that at all. People yeah. are individuals, and uh, and so weirdly, while I I would prefer they have voted for Biden, I I do like that you're beginning to see this ethnic shift happen, where it's no longer. Uh, the Democratic Party is white people and a bunch of other people, and the Republican Party is mostly white people. You're seeing that, and that shift started like back during McCain. Like McC McCain had, yeah. outdone, uh, had, had outdone Bush in terms of Hispanic outreach, and that one very. Romney did better. Uh, Trump did better than Romney. Trump did better this election than the last one. And I, I find that one very interesting that despite uh, racist invective, that these uh, the, the races that would allegedly be affected by that don't seem to be buying it. Uh, yeah. I, I find that very interesting, and I'm, I'm curious as to see what everybody kind of makes of that situation when the dust settles. So what do you say to the idea that as we can start to look back at the Trump era, if we can, with less emotion and more academic rigor, that the true legacy is the GOP is now a working class party, and he succeeded because the Democrats were shifting ever more to a well-educated rich people's party. Uh, I think that that is spot-on analysis. I, I, I think you and I were talking the other day, and you said the Republican Party has gone from the country club to the dive bar. Yeah. And uh, great analogy. I fully intend to steal that when you're not uh, <laughs> sitting next to me. Uh, yes, I think that's happened. Which is funny that it took a guy who runs country clubs uh, <laughs> uh, uh, to make that move. Yeah, but, yeah. But I guess that's the thing. He runs the country club. He doesn't... Uh, uh, go to the country club for his pleasure, right? And presumably nobody at the country club enjoys hanging out with him. That's actually yeah. been one of the big things. Yeah, I think that's all spot on. I think that uh, uh, my analysis, I think, has been real flawed the last few years because I, I tend to approach things, uh, ideas and ideolo ideology first. I tend to look at... Uh, 
um, I tend to organize the electorate into like, oh, okay, over here is the, the moderates, and here's where the classical liberals are, and oh, here's the neocons, and I'm, I'm dividing it up based on what people think, which is not how most people operate. And I think the, the incoming critique that uh, the, the parties are basically flipping old socioeconomic positions is, is pretty spot on. Like, if you go back to the 90s, uh, there's a Simpsons episode. I think it's the one where they get uh, Sideshow Bob to run for mayor. I could be yeah. wrong. But there's an episode where the, 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 the uh, uh, Springfield Republican Party convenes. And the scene is it's at a castle. Yeah. And the Republicans that are seated are Mr. Burns, the town factory owner. Dr. Hibbert, a black doctor, and Dracula. Yeah. And like maybe one other guy, but like but the, the impression you're getting is, ah, yes, Republicans, the people who own the stuff. Yeah. They're the one, they're the Republicans. Whereas like, you know, the, the Democrats are Diamond Joe Quimby, who's like probably a union thug, probably yeah. has mob ties. That's the, the corollary. Or like uh, uh, P.J. O'Rourke, when, when, uh, when he was uh, writing um, uh, Parliament of Horrors, he talked about how he, had, he, he was young and a hippie, and he was a, like a communist, and his grandmother was like, well, as long as you're not a Democrat. And he went, well, what is, like, what's the difference between a Democrat and a Republican? And she said, Democrats rent. Republicans own. And that was like in her mind, like yeah. Republicans own the House. Democrats are always in apartments. It's, and and, and that, that is very much flipped. I, I interviewed uh, um, a, a guy that wrote uh, uh, about populism, his man, uh, Thomas Frank. I interviewed him about uh, three months back. Uh, who very much has that position. And uh, Thomas Frank and I come from different political orientations. He is very much a labor Democrat. But I agree with his analysis, which is that the, the Democratic Party had previously been, to a great extent, a labor party, the same way the labor party operates in the United Kingdom. And the Republican Party had had a lot of different things going for it, but definitely had that country club uh, element to it. And, and that has shifted, I think. The, the Democratic Party has increasingly become the party of... Uh, of professionals, elites, uh, uh, graduate degrees, wealthy suburbanites. Uh, the Republican Party has increasingly become uh, working class people, Rust Belt people, uh, people that feel that the establishment is not serving their interests and that they are not represented by the establishment. I, I think that that is, that is a shift that is happening and I think will probably accelerate. Uh, I don't listen to Ted Cruz's podcast, but it's my understanding that here last week he said the Republican Party is a working class party. And uh, they're they're starting to go kind of blue collar labor, and yeah, I, I think that's probably going to be what happens. And uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see where that kind of old vanguard of like Buckleyite conservative goes. Yeah, uh, like I like I I'm not a William F. Buckley fan, uh, but but I I know a lot of Republicans who are, and I like I I don't I I don't think they quite realize that they've been as alienated as they 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 have been. That that the 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 stuffy old guy party is probably going to be more the Democrats in the future. Yeah, I, I, I do wonder. Um, I, I I wonder how that winds up playing out. And I also wonder what this election would have been save for COVID. Like, because I do think that if COVID doesn't happen, I think Trump like romps. Like, yeah, probably. This was, this was a very if, close if, if, election. If COVID hadn't happened, and the and the economy had presumably just stayed good. Yeah, wages had stayed high, jobs, uh, you know, unemployment low. Uh, all of that's happening, and then the people that were uh, terrified of Trump because he's a wild card, et cetera, et cetera, now like may not like him, but, but at least can anticipate the zone of that, Trump. That's that's where Trump made up support. Trump made up support with bedrock Republicans mm -hmm. uh, because they were like, oh well, I didn't like it when it was. Yeah, the, 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 I thought the he might, show might, might nuke France or something, yeah. and now I just know he's a dick. 
Yeah, yeah. He's just, you know, and also at the end of the day, I think four years later, if you didn't find him a righteous champion for your grievance, four years of kind of the, the between the, the woke like stuff that has brought along a few other people that are like, well, you know, well, maybe even people who were never Trumpers will look back and be like, well, you know, I'll tell you what, he was really loud about. Uh, these things that uh, have only gotten worse. Uh, yeah, and I, I also think that there is a tendency to, uh, as somebody who has remained consistently anti-Trump, I have yes. never been on board no. with the Trump. I've never please, endorsed if it, you like, are if you wind up matching with Heaton on Bumble, please. Yeah. It is very very clear he wants to make it known right I, now. I that am he's not a never Trump been guy. A Trump guy. Uh, that said, though, I I think that um, uh, the louder all caps progressives actually push a lot of Republicans back into the Trump fold where. Uh, like, like, you know, you'll have Republicans going, gosh, you know, this guy's an affront to all of my values. And then, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get a clutch of Democrats saying, you know, we should, we should all make lists of, of our homes to hide our Jewish friends in for when Trump ushers in the programs. And, and then like the, the Republicans are like, wait, what? You, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. You're going a bit like, I, I think I know a lot of people that have done that, that were like kind of Trump skeptic, but the, the constant 11 out of 10 uh, histrionics just kind of they, they eventually went oh I don't believe any of this I, I think it's all performative or, or you're unhinged and kind of retreated back to the fold now on the other side you mentioned labor and while certainly Biden is somebody who is an old friend to like yeah. the auto workers union and, and some of these massive massive Bi- Biden is unions. a union guy as he will tell you yes um suspiciously kind of silent on one of the major labor issues out here, which was prop or prop 22. Mm. And in what I believe is kind of between that and AB five in California, the first whiffs of what I think will be a longer national conversation about how comfortable people are with gig work and, and uh, what the line is between employment and, uh, uh, you know, being an independent contractor I suspect that if, let's say, Bernie Sanders were the nominee, we probably would have saw that become more of an issue. We would have seen more of a national spotlight from the head of the ticket in a party with, uh, you know, where Democrats vote disproportionately. uh, uh, That would have been on the side of of a kind of progressive labor cause like this in, in a way that really wasn't because Biden and, and Kamala Harris really didn't do anything in terms of like being strident about anything other than Trump screwing up COVID. Uh, uh, ask me about the things I would do. And I will tell you my fantasy football playlist of, of, of how I would have handled it different. Uh, and have I mentioned I'm not Trump? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know that they soul of the nation Charlottesville particularly advantageous for them to, to run against Silicon Valley, which is very much a pro Democrat, like the, the alliance between Silicon Valley and the democratic party, one, which I, I'm more or less in favor of is that the the Silicon Valley like supports Democrats and supports higher tax rates, et cetera, et cetera, but is strongly in favor of deregulating Silicon Valley. And the Democratic Party has gone with that. There are exceptions to that, like uh, Elizabeth Warren's a, a big exception to that. Uh, Bernie Sanders would have been a big exception to that. But for the most part, that's been an alliance. And I, I'm not surprised that Biden, Kamala Harris would stay away from it. Uh, but th- but that, that gets us back to the idea that this is a party where you are very much worried about whether or not the Atlantic's going to roast you for something. Yes. Like, and, and that is something that I think paralyzed the Republican party up until Trump. Like, like that, that Trump was somebody that was like, I don't care. 
I really, I don't care about the coverage. In fact, I'm excited if they don't like me. Now, in hindsight, the ability to not just kind of be a normal human every once in a while, uh, uh, I think might have been part of his undoing, that... (laughs) That it was well, and I'll, t- I'll tell you the, the the biggest undoing that I think he did in 2020 uh, was that they decided to play COVID as a culture war issue, which was a very weird way to handle that. Like 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 masks became a culture war issue, uh, you know, like it, it all like the the COVID, particularly within the Republican Party, was understood to be this is a clash of cultures between us and the Democrats. The Democrats are histrionic and overpowered uh the republicans are for freedom and and you know aren't buying the nonsense right but it was through the lens of a culture war if trump had i think run as like a wartime president and he had he had kicked off that by like wearing a maga mask and then selling them or getting his billionaire buddies to uh, give everybody in america a maga mask with private funds and then he'd He'd done something very Trumpian, which I'm surprised he didn't do, and I think would have been a genius masterstroke if he had done a press conference in uh, South Dakota or North Dakota. I can't remember which one has Mount Rushmore in it, but it had all of the guys in masks, red masks. Oh, all oh, of the guys put, on Mount Rushmore, masks and on just Mount this Rushmore. giant, like almost fascist level, like like <laughs> massive monumental architecture, and and then and then he like. You know he like you know like he goes on a speech about this. It pans to them, and he, and then he just lies and says Democrats don't care about masks, but Republicans. But if he'd done that, and then he'd, he'd run as like you know I I am like this is we are in a war with COVID, and I'm a wartime president, and I'm going to see us through. I think that that would have been a much better play than what they I did. I think he he landed on it way too late. But I've said that before on on the podcast. He he landed on stiff upper lip way too late. Like that 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 was the play. The play was. Yes, it's bad, but guess what? It's bad throughout the world. Uh, could we all have done better? Yes. In the face of, uh, uh, you know, this is where Reagan would have, you know, one of his speechwriters would have some Peggy poem. Noonan would have, yeah. Peggy Noonan would have had some poem of like, you know, like, as Frost wrote, like, uh, we don't know our fourth step until we yeah, know our yeah, seventh yeah. and eighth or yeah, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about this today, and I, I might do a larger thing about this later of like what Trump could have done and what Biden could have done differently. But for Trump, he actually had a really good reopening phases plan, but he was so out of step with the Democratic senators mm. or the Democratic governors that nobody ever really did the uh, uh, took it up. They did their own. And he, and he was also he was in a, a damned a damned if you do, damned if you don't position. Because well, but here let me let me let me, oh, yeah, let me finish yeah, this. Let me finish this. So, if he had made a plan and then really leaned on it to be like, all right, all my Republican governors are up on this plan. They have all agreed to follow the federal guidelines. It's the Democratic governors that are not following these guidelines, and let the Demo- De- Democratic governors say, well, we're doing our own or whatever. Now you've dr- you've drawn a line between. I have a plan, mm, and yeah. they're playing politics. Yeah, we're, and, we're, we're trying to nationally coordinate everybody. And that would have been a smart move because it would have avoided the, the trap I was about to go into, which is had, had Biden, or excuse me, had, had Trump, Trump, Trump as is, was portrayed as having no plan and being uh, a, 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 no, not, excuse me, sorry, there's a train going by, it threw me off, as uh, basically like, like letting go of his responsibility to deal with the issue. He just kicked it to the governors. That's how, how it's generally been interpreted. Conversely, had he like led the charge and like done federal lockdown and things like that, 
everybody else would have said he's an authoritarian and it would have, would have oh, said yeah. he's a dictator. No, no, no. Yeah. So like, like, he couldn't like, have done that. There's, there's really no way he could have gone. The only way that he probably could have played that would have been as a, I am going to marshal the governors and, and, and like it is still an opt-in system. That way I'm not, I am not a, a you know, pseudo dictator authoritarian, uh, but I am leading the charge. That, that would have worked well, I think. And I don't want to do the eulogy because for all I know, I mean, at this point, uh, he, the, yeah, the, Bi- might- the, Bi- the Biden people are peeling off the, uh, the, the, the foil on the champagne right now. But uh, uh, for all we know, te- Arizona could be flipping right behind us on the television and, and, yeah. and Nevada could go to Trump. Uh, but if this is the end, the lesson will be he never figured out less was more. That the the office, the, the pedestal of the presidency, he could have spoken a quarter as much. He still would have been speaking more than Obama ever did. He still would have been messaging more than Obama ever did. I mean, he's sure as hell going to have, have spoke more than Biden does because I don't think I'm setting the over-under right now at two and a half of press conferences that Joe Biden has in his first term. I don't <laughs> think he's going to talk at you, you all. You know, if, if, uh, if, uh, if Biden wins, the best dick move Trump could possibly do would be to be the classiest guy. Imagine, like, I don't think this is going to happen because I think it's, I think there's going to be protracted screaming court warfare over the next few days. But if, if Trump lost and then just like went into full gracious, like when I lost the Iowa caucus mode, it would like, it would, it would almost irk everybody more that they didn't get to like watch him go kicking and screaming. But that's, that's a, a, another direction. Um, yeah, I think, uh, Trump, Trump for the most part, uh, did well in 2016 because he figured out effortlessly and constantly how to get unearned media advertising. Yeah. And and he he realized that he could use chaos and and liberal freakout as the joint propulsive elements of his campaign. And that, that chaos for him worked very well. Anything that led back to Trump attention fed the Trump machine. And so that's always been the assumption is if there's ever anything going on, dominate the attention in it to the point where like some, I, I really got the impression that some days just the news cycle didn't happen to have Trump in it, and he just do something crazy or say something crazy just to bring the news cycle back to him. It was like he didn't want anything to exist outside of Trump. I, like, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm not sure how many days have gone by in the last four years where I did not at some point think about Donald Trump. Yeah. I would put it at less than 30. Um, like maybe like when I was I was in Asia a couple couple years ago for a couple of months and I was pretty good about avoiding politics when I was out there I intentionally didn't check the news but uh, for the most part though and I like and I I feel like I have like stoic quasi Vulcan mental resolve yeah. to not go into these things. I know lots of people that uh, begin their day by like seeing what the president said on Twitter and then letting him derail their day because they're frankly emotionally incontinent. And uh, but but for for those of us that are even on the stoic train, yeah, um, like whereas like I'm like there there had to be like weeks at a time where I didn't think of Obama. And uh, yeah. man, I'd love to get back to that. Like I uh, I don't remember who said this. I think it was whoever started Cato. But like but it, the, but the quote was the best country in the world is one where you're not afraid to drink the water and you can't re- remember the name of the president. Oh man, that'd be great. I would love that. Like there you know there's a period when I when I first moved to Edinburgh, I would ask Canadians who their prime minister was, and they'd have to think about it. Yeah. And I was like, God, that must be great. Well, uh, I do think that Biden is going to do his best to be out of the public uh, eye as much as possible. God, let um, us hope. I, I I I would love it if 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 he wins. I would love it if he's just America's grandpa for four years, and we just like we just he's just a genial old guy. And like like if Biden wins, there's also a very good chance that the the Senate will be held by Republicans. 
uh, I had been that that seems like a lot. Yeah, and I because uh, Susan Collins, uh, she won. Uh, we're, we're still kind of waiting on Georgia and North Carolina, but okay. those look like they're which, likely. Which, which means that for like Republicans, I had I had rather hoped the Republican Party would get an absolute drumming because. I would like the honorable and intelligent elements of the Republican Party to come back, and I do not think that that's happened under Trumpism. Um, so I thought them getting a drumming would be the best thing for them. Uh, that said, though, midterm, short term, I think it's going to be better for the country to have a divided government because if we do have a Biden and Kamala Harris in, in uh, the White House uh, and we've got Republicans in the Senate, that means that we're not going to do like 15 Supreme Court justices day one. We're not going to do, you know, yeah. a minimum wage jumps up to $15 an hour everywhere and, and ruins everybody that's trying to get a foot in the door in the economy. There's all sorts of things that would be staunched. Uh, the only time spending ever goes down, or I shouldn't even say goes down, the only time spending does not increase at a more rapid pace is when there is a divided government. And it happens if uh, uh, the the Republicans and Democrats do not have a lock on both Congress and the White House. So, so yeah, it looks like uh, the Republicans are going to not only hold the Senate, but they have narrowed Nancy Pelosi's majority in the House. Mm -hmm. uh, Nancy is is doing a a little uh, uh, two step on considering changes in leadership in the House, which is the way that she likes to signal. Uh, no, don't worry. I know that you think that I'm not good, uh, but also she's she will give up power with you know in her cold dead hands. So yeah, no, that won't happen. Plus, it, like the, the 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 power in the house is not dictated by how popular you are nationally or by your peers. The power in the house is dictated by how much money you raise for the Democratic yes. Party. Yes, yes. Nancy Pelosi is an all star at that, and therefore she's never going to leave. No, they will have to sever her head. Yeah, yeah. Like no. that will be that will be that. Uh, well, here we go. Uh, you know, obviously this is probably going to be dated five seconds after yeah. we put it, uh, it might, it might be dated already because things are moving so fast, but, uh, Andrew Heaton, I don't know how many more of these we're going to get, but certainly at least one more for, for the Yeah, for, we should for get a patrons. couple more. I should yeah. be around. Uh, I, I'm, I am planning, as of now, unless nothing additionally crazy happens, I am planning to depart from Oakland next week. So we've got a few more days. we got a few more days. All right. Uh, the Political Orphanage, go find them, patreon.com slash Andrew Heaton. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that'll bring us to the end of this Day two of Election Day edition of the program. It is, of course, brought to you by everybody who uh, heads on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com, including the Titanic, $10 tier, Lord Generic, Frenchman, Dr. G, Jacob Wilson, Dallas Danger Taylor, Gazer Beef, Utah Jimmy Montana, Captain Bunzo, Cujo Tally, Richard, Memory Pie App, Crookie McCrookface, Justin Ryan Egan, D Laser, Matt, who called from Labor and Delivery, Starfleet for Biden, Jason with Magnolia Delta Credit Card Processing. Nobody expects the Dismal Science Podcast. Katie, vote for Joe Biden 2020. Rob, vote for Gloria Young 2020. Thanks for voting Trump 2020. Martin, Government Unfiltered, Archie, Neil, Darren, Daily Tech News Show, Adam, David, Jacob, DL, Steven. Not missing anybody. Kyle, Chad, Miranda, Jenny, Robert, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners, Dustin, David. Just another pilot, middle-aged Mike. The Gen MacBook Pro, Leon Frozen Summers, Andrew, Matthew, and G. 
James. If you would like your name on here, head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Until next time, you can follow me at PX3Tweets. Get on the free political newsletter at FreePoliticalNewsletter.com. Some shows talk about politics. Others talk about politics still more. They're out here talking about politics, but this is the only show that does it on. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) Dog and Pony Show Audio.